welcome to a special joint episode with Coping with Ghosting and the Ghost Podcast. This is Rosemary, host of the Ghost Podcast, and I'm here today with Greta from Coping with Ghosting. Greta, do you want to talk about how we know each other? Yes. As far as I'm aware, Rosemary and I have the only podcasts that are 100% dedicated to discussing ghosting, and we connected a while back to bring more attention to this important issue. Relationship ghosting has become a lot more common in recent years and much more normalized, but there isn't a lot of formalized information out there on what exactly is ghosting, what is not ghosting, and terms that are associated with ghosting. So we wanted to spend an episode today doing a deep dive into what exactly is this phenomenon. That's right. And we want to correct and clarify the many meanings of ghosting. So today we're going to be discussing terminology commonly used associated with ghosting or similar to ghosting. I have personally found that knowing and understanding these terms really helps me to spot red flags sooner. So Greta, let's dive in. What is ghosting and what is not ghosting? Rosemary, I researched the word ghosting and I found that the Merriam-Webster Dictionary traced its origins back to 2004. But this word started to take off in popular culture around 2014 and was added to the Collins Dictionary in 2015. I've come across numerous definitions of ghosting. For example, I've heard that it is only something that happens before three dates, and I've heard people say it can only occur if a date was scheduled and the person didn't show up. People sometimes say they were ghosted when they've applied for a job interview and didn't receive a response. And in October, I saw tons of Instagram posts saying to ghost toxic skincare, ghost what doesn't serve your mental health, etc. So the word is used pretty loosely all over the place. My favorite definition is from the Oxford Languages Dictionary, which defines ghosting as the practice of ending a personal relationship with someone by suddenly and without explanation withdrawing from all communication. But it does leave some room for questions. For example, what is a personal relationship exactly? Do you have a personal relationship with somebody you chatted on a dating app with but never met? Or do you have a personal relationship with somebody you only had one or two dates with? I think ghosting falls on a spectrum. And I use this specific terminology to help describe the different stages of ghosting, starting with the micro ghost. This happens when you're talking to somebody online. For example, it could be on a dating app and then they disappear from the conversation. And it could be that you had a date scheduled, but the person didn't show up. This can happen in business when you sent out an application and gotten no response. So Rosemary, I know that you've come up with your own word for a special kind of ghosting, sex ghosting. Can you please speak to that? I came up with the term sex ghost when it had happened to me a couple of times. And what I mean by a sex ghost is when someone ghosts you, except when they're looking for sex. So they'll be in constant communication with you up until the hookup. And then you hear absolutely nothing from them until they're looking for another hookup again, maybe every four weeks or so. And then it starts all over. That's horrible. Well, to continue on with the spectrum, the next is the dating or friendship or family ghost. This is when somebody really close to you ghosts you. And finally, I have the WTF ghost. If somebody you were married to or in a long-term relationship with ghosts you, there really are no words. And 
I am so sorry. I tried to address a wide range of situations here, but we're human and many variables are at play. The bottom line is that if you feel like you have been ghosted, you have been. I think that's an important point. Regardless of what type of ghost you experienced or how long you've known each other or what the relationship is, a romantic or a friendship relationship, if you have some type of personal connection with someone and you've been ghosted, it's equally painful and baffling and you should call it what it is. Also, I encourage you not to say I was ghosted just because someone didn't call or text you back within a few days. People have lives, you know, you never know what's going on with somebody else. So please don't accuse people of ghosting you without reaching out and giving them a chance to reply. And along the same lines, I want to give you some examples of what ghosting is not. If you are in a relationship and somebody states clear boundaries, for example, if they say, this relationship is over, please don't contact me and then they begin to ignore you, that's actually not ghosting. They've set a boundary, and now they're honoring it. Additionally, if you leave an abusive relationship without a goodbye, that's self-respect or self-protection. It's also sometimes called no contact. This is not ghosting. Thanks for that definition, Greta. That was really helpful. There is a lot of other associated language and terms that are used around this concept of ghosting, and it's just really helpful to be aware of and know what they are. We're not going to get into all of those terms today, but we're going to talk about some of the more commonly used ones. But listeners, we did put together a ghosting dictionary, and this will be available on our websites that you can refer to in addition to this episode. Greta, let's start with talking about one of the favorite terms that I have learned, love bombing. Have you ever been love bombed? Yes. And for anyone who doesn't know what love bombing is, I'm going to read a definition from a Psychology Today article called Love Bombing, a Narcissist's Secret Weapon. It says, love bombing is the practice of overwhelming someone with signs of adoration and attraction. Think flattering comments and tokens of affection. It's flowers delivered at your work with hearts dotting the eyes in your name. It's texts that increase in frequency as they increase in romantic fervor. It's surprise appearances designed to manipulate you into spending more time with the bomber and not coincidentally, less time with others or on your own. So I was love bombed a couple of years ago or at least he tried to, this guy showered me with compliments. He called me pet names by date two. He was extremely charismatic and even talked about spending Valentine's day together. And by date four, he wanted to introduce me to his family. Suddenly he went from texting me all the time to disappearing for over a week and a half. And I did reach out to him, but I got no reply. And oh, he didn't even call me or text me on Valentine's Day. When this guy ignored me for over a week, I didn't assume he was ghosting me. I didn't blow up his phone and I didn't accuse him of leaving me on red. Rather, I focused on myself. And of course, a week later, he popped up again and he asked me out on an elaborate date. I felt extremely frustrating because he didn't acknowledge any part of the text that I had sent him. Uh, He didn't say anything about missing Valentine's Day. 
And when he asked me out, I just politely declined because it was clear that his actions and his words didn't line up. There was, it was just red flag behavior. I didn't fall for being love bombed. One term I want to stop and talk about for a moment is narcissist or narcissism. This term is used a lot these days. I see it all over social media and it's thrown around to describe many types of behavior. However, narcissism is an actual personality disorder and many narcissists are ghosters. Love bombing is a common narcissistic trait followed by the ghosting abandonment in a cycle that can happen over and over again. So if you are experiencing love bombing, this could be a sign of a narcissist. I personally feel love bombing is really dangerous because it can feel really real and intense and overwhelming. But in the end, if you're dealing with a true narcissist, it's not real. It's all about feeding their own self-image of themselves. This can be hard to accept that while you were genuine, the emotions from the other person may not have been. Let's talk about a couple other terms associated with ghosting. Silent treatment is a term that actually means the same thing as ghosting. It's used interchangeably. I know I sometimes am personally frustrated that this abusive behavior of the silent treatment is rebranded as ghosting and passed off as not really a big deal. Breadcrumbing is another behavior similar to ghosting, and it's something to know and be aware of. This actually just happened to me. I connected with someone who would text me every few days, and it felt like each text was a brand new conversation and everything was just very superficial. The text would just often say hi, even if my last text had been a question or about something specific, and the texts were often multiple days apart. This person actually lives in another state and made plans to see me, but when I asked for details, I was ignored. And I eventually realized that this was actually breadcrumbing. He had no actual intention of following through with any type of relationship, but just wanted to keep me on the hook just in case. Breadcrumbing is leading somebody on with no intention of following through. In this situation that happened to me, I actually called out this guy and told him that he was breadcrumbing me and he became kind of angry. And to me, that was a huge red flag and no point in talking any longer. Gaslighting is another common term you've probably heard associated with narcissist abuse. If you experience the silent treatment and you attempt to address it or talk about it with the person who's doing this to you, and you're told that this is all in your imagination or you're crazy or there's nothing wrong, this is gaslighting. And again, this is a common narcissistic personality trait. On my podcast, where I record and share people's stories who've been ghosted, I commonly hear people tell me they've been gaslighted in association with ghosting. Thank you for that. I'll share three terms. So orbiting is when your ghost still watches your stories on Instagram or Facebook and engages with you on social media. Haunting is when your ghost randomly comes back into your life with a text out of the blue or an Instagram DM. Benching is when you put a person on the back burner or bench them just in case you want to pick it up again and start dating them later. There are some theories that there are certain types of people who are more prone to ghosting than others, and that this might be related to their attachment style. If you're not familiar with attachment style, I highly recommend you check out the book Attached, which is by Dr. Amir Levine and Rachel S.F. Heller. Their book is a groundbreaking work on attachment style, and all the information you want to know is outlined in their book. But to give a brief summary here, there's three different types of attachment style. Your attachment style is formed during childhood. The first type is secure. People with secure attachment style are low in avoidance and anxiety. And as you can probably guess from the name, this type of style leads to the most healthy relationships. 
It's estimated that about 50% of the population has a secure attachment style. Anxious is the second attachment style. This type of person is high in anxiety and maybe high or low on avoidance based on their specific type. These types of relationships can sometimes be higher drama and lower in trust. The third style is avoidant. This type is low in anxiety and high in avoidance. And an interesting fact I learned from the book, Attached, is that there are more people who have avoidant attachment style in the dating pool because they don't often have long-lasting relationships. Avoidant and anxious attachment styles often end up in relationships. And as you can imagine, this can lead to conflict and potentially ghosting. Yeah, I've read that book a couple of times. I really enjoy it. And I found a Psychology Today article called Breaking Up the Easy Way that discusses how people in high attachment anxiety are more likely to be ghosted. In other words, people with a greater fear of abandonment are the ones who get ghosted more, which is beyond frustrating. This may be because anxiously attached people are more likely to be clingy or jealous. The article went on to say that the association between attachment avoidance and ghosting isn't as clear. And interestingly enough, studies show that those with destiny beliefs or people who believe that a relationship is either meant to be or not meant to be are more likely to ghost. If they think the relationship is not meant to be, then they're more likely to leave suddenly as opposed to having a lengthy breakup. Also, Rosemary, in my research, I found that women were more than 150% more likely to ghost than men, and that millennials, Gen X, and baby boomers all ghost at about the same frequency. And that info is from a credit line study. I find that really interesting. Thank you for sharing. Mm Listeners, as you've heard and learned about these terms, we now know that there are certain types of people and behaviors that are more prone to lead to ghosting. Again, it's really helpful to know about these terms and help you spot a potential ghoster or at least red flags sooner. Greta, I want to move on to another topic. Relationships end. They don't always last forever. But ending a relationship via ghosting is very painful and hurtful way to do so. And it can feel so much more intense than other types of breakups. Let's talk a little bit about why this is so. Well, yeah, I mean, ghosting is so confusing and frustrating, not having any type of explanation, not having a chance to say goodbye. I mean, we live in a world where we just have so much information. It's information overload. And when we want answers, we can just Google something. So when we can't close this communication loop, our brain goes nuts. We feel a lack of control. We feel a lack of power. And it's scary because we honestly don't even know if this person is still alive or physically okay. It's so confusing because when someone goes to you, they become this different person. Obviously, before they ghosted you, you really liked this person. You wanted to be around them. You had a connection. And then they do this terrible thing. And it's like, who are you? And how could you do this to me? And you can even feel like, did I even know you? Was anything real in our relationship? One of the things I think that causes ghosting to hurt so much is that communication is a core part of our humanity. And refusing to communicate with someone feels like it denies that other person's basic humanity and invalidates their feelings and emotions. Humans are wired this way. Back in the day when we lived in tribes, we would die if we got kicked out of the tribe or at least experience extreme trauma. After ghosting, you also experience feelings like shame, like you did something wrong. 
when it's usually not even about you. It's the other person's own personal issues. That person is hurt, broken, or a narcissist, or something else is going on. You, you might find yourself replaying in your mind over and over. If only you'd done something different or said something differently, you could have avoided this from happening. But I believe the truth is you couldn't have gone back and done something different. The person who did this to you, they did it because there's something on their end, something in their life. They're hurt or they have issues and there's really nothing you could have done to change that. Another difficult thing about ghosting is that there's no closure. It can seem like it takes longer to get over something or it's harder because you don't know what happened or why. And again, you're still trying to reconcile who this person was to you before and who they are now. Ghosting can also trigger past trauma and current and past insecurity. If you've shared vulnerable things with yourself about someone, especially if you have past abandonment issues and that person knows about it, and then they do that exact same thing to you, this is triggering not only the ghosting happening now, but also your past abandonment trauma in addition to this new trauma. It can feel especially cruel if you told someone that you've experienced abandonment in the past and then they do the exact same thing to you. There's actually research that shows that the silent treatment can trigger the same parts of the brain as physical pain. Ghosting and the silent treatment is a real pain. This is a truly hurtful thing to experience and all of your feelings of trauma are real. Greta, why do people ghost? Do you have any insights into this? Yeah, so there's so many reasons why people ghost. And I have a whole entire episode dedicated to this featuring Dr. April House. I think the main thing is to acknowledge that you may never know why, and that is okay. I don't know why I was ghosted by a few people. And honestly, there are ways to move on and still have a healthy and fulfilling life and never get an apology and never know why, but just be resilient and kind of lean into the unknowing. Let's talk about that next. How can you recover from ghosting or cope with ghosting? And as this is your area of expertise and the topic of your podcast, I'd love to have you share your insight. Yeah. So don't blame yourself. The ghost is showing you that they have a communication issue. It's not your fault that they didn't say goodbye. That is on them. And after you've been ghosted, acknowledge your feelings, breathe into them, give yourself the space to grieve. Healing looks different for everyone. And you will go through a range of emotions with this. That's completely normal. There's no correct way to heal. And then I also invite you to listen to other episodes of my podcast for more practical tips that will help you on your recovery. And I also offer private coaching sessions to help you out with this as well. Be sure to check out Greta's podcast if you haven't, Coping with Ghosting. She has a lot of really great advice on there. When I think about ghosting and the silent treatment, it doesn't feel like a one-time event or an ending to me. I don't know if it's something about the way that it's so abrupt or you don't know what happened or why, but I personally feel like ghosting is an ongoing event, that each day a ghoster decides to continue the silent treatment. It's an ongoing hurt. And in reality, the ghoster has the power here. They can choose to end the silent treatment to reach out and offer an explanation or maybe an apology, though that might be too much to expect. And I think most people who've been ghosted would welcome that communication from them to have something. I know that I would. So Greta, does ghosting ever really end? And is there ever a situation in which you should reach out to your ghost? Great question. 
A lot of people say, let the dead rest in peace, but oftentimes we want to say something. I recently co-wrote a free downloadable guide with Aaron Fisher from Atlantic Mediation Services about how to respond to being ghosted. It is called Six Copy and Paste Texts to Send to Your Ghost, Empowering Ways to Respond After Being Ghosted. Aaron and I outlined different scenarios of being ghosted, from what to say if you think you're being ghosted, to what to say if you have kids with an ex-partner and they ghost you. Everyone listening can go get a free copy on my website, copingwithghosting.com. And I'd also like to touch on closure. So Dr. Pauline Boss is a leading family therapist who is famous for her theory on ambiguous loss. And as I've shared on my podcast before, ghosting is an ambiguous loss. Dr. Pauline Boss discusses the myth of closure as it relates to ambiguous losses, such as when people who go missing for various reasons, like because of war or if they're kidnapped. Here is a quote from her. Closure is not desired by people who lose loved ones. What they want is certainty. They want to know where the body is. They want to know what happened and why it happened. And that's different than closure. She continues to explain that closure is a bad word to use with human relationships and people who have lost somebody actually feel hurt when other people ask, are you over it yet? Or have you found closure? At least in American culture, Dr. Boss asserts that the more you try to get closure after ambiguous loss, the harder it will be to move on with life and the more you will have complicated grief. She encourages people to build tolerance for ambiguity, and she wants people to increase their resilience. I believe the myth of closure applies to being ghosted. I don't think we need to find closure. Rather, we need to move on with our lives in a new way and remember the ghost in a different way. For example, I've assigned new meanings to my ghost stories. All my ghosts now are simply inspiration for coping with ghosting. And they help me help other people. One last topic before we wrap up. Ghosting is so easy to do. We live in a more connected world where, ironically, it's even easier to disconnect from people. I know that I've been tempted to ghost myself. But if you feel like ghosting, don't. Any communication is better than none. Agree. Ghosting is not cool. Greta, I've really enjoyed doing this episode with you. Do you have any last words or insight before we end today? Yes. If you've been ghosted, you are not alone. We've been there too, and we've survived. You can live a happy and healthy life without having answers as to why this happened and without having closure. Know that you are worthy, lovable, and that you matter. Thank you so much for listening today. You can find my podcast, The Ghost Podcast, at theghostpodcast.com. If you have a ghost story that you'd like to share, you can reach out on our Instagram page at the Ghost Podcast Stories, or you can send an email to the Ghost Podcast Stories at gmail.com. And be sure to look for our free ghosting dictionary online as well. And you can connect with me at Coping with Ghosting. I have a private Facebook support group, and you can also follow me on Instagram. I also offer coaching sessions for those who want customized support around healing, and you can learn more at copingwithghosting.com. Thanks for listening today.